And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. We took a little uh, post-draft hiatus there. Did you get any time to yeah. to <laughs> detox and get away from I it did. at all? I did. Like, we went to the zoo. Well, I don't know well, if it's detox, go. okay? Like, it was actually, like... <laughs> Ended up being more exhausting than some of the uh, work stuff, but we did <laughs> we did get to do some stuff with the kids, so it was good. Um, how about I know you're in uh, travel baseball mode here. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, so. like having the uh, <laughs> having the kids uh, like I don't know if doing stuff with them, like you said, I don't know if that counts as <laughs> yeah. It's not really restful at all. Uh, like say, we went to we... the pool, like we went to the pool on Monday, and it was just like chasing yeah. the little one to make sure you didn't jump in the deep end without <laughs> any supervision, yeah. and, like. So, we were, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were at the Detroit Zoo on the Saturday there of Memorial Day weekend, which, and it was me, uh, the family, and you know about ten million other people. It was the busiest day I think in the history of the Detroit Zoo, which was great. It's a great day, uh, but yeah, that was a long, <laughs> exhausting uh, day, and I'm sure everyone else who was there that day would say the same thing. So, but anyway, having fun, good summer I, so far. I'm a, I'm a big Toledo Zoo fan. I don't know if you guys, uh, we have haven't it gone to there. that yet, but I think we want to try that um, <laughs> soon. And I also saw. To anyone listening on the west side of the state, someone um, shout out to, I think, a Battle Creek, either a zoo or a dinosaur zoo type exhibit oh, going on right. out there. So I see a lot of stuff coming my way these days. To see <laughs> the, uh, dads and moms out there looking to kill time with these kids. So, there you yeah. go. We're in that season, I know, right? Like my wife, my wife left the house today and she's like, what do you want to do this weekend? I'm like, I don't know. You want to go to like Home Depot and have them run around for, for like two hours? I don't know. Like... So yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Anyway. That's it. That's the yeah. way to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So as I mentioned, I mean, we talked uh, to you guys. Um, I think uh, maybe the week after the draft, and then we yeah. scaled it back because they were, you know, they take their little break except for rookie minicamp, and now they've been back. We've been out there twice to see them for OTAs once per week, uh, and we'll be in there next week for mandatory minicamp, which I'm assuming uh, as of. You know, Thursday, the only guy who hadn't made it back to Allen Park was John Penasini, who um, yeah. didn't do the voluntary OTAs last year either. So, I, you know, it didn't sound like that was like a contract <laughs> thing or like he was, I don't know he's how just it not here for it. Thing. He just doesn't. The, the more I thought about that last night, honestly, I was like, I don't know what he's going to do when he's here anyway. But, you know, noted, right? He's not here. Yeah, and obviously still got a couple. You know, T.J. Hawkinson was not out there Thursday. I don't know. You know, he missed the OTA. We were there. Mm-hmm. Last week with uh, some sick, some undisclosed illness, uh, I don't think it was COVID related, but it, you know wasn't feeling well. Um, and then he wasn't there uh, Thursday when we were out there. Romeo Okora, we still haven't seen him. I haven't seen him in the flesh for like ten months now, I guess. <laughs> um, That's a good point. Uh, but he's supposedly in the building and rehabbing Julian said things are going well he didn't want to speak too much on it but said things are going well Dan Campbell said he's on track um so uh and then a handful of guys you know 
kind of taking it easy Thursday to uh, Ify Melifanwu. I don't think did anything. I saw him walking around no, during positional no drills. Um, right. You know, James Mitchell, Jamison Williams are still bang, are still uh, rehabbing. rehabbing. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Okuda kind of took it easy. Jerry Jacobs isn't really doing anything yet. So a bunch of guys that are that were out there, but you know, just sort of observing. So um, Decker. Decker, yeah. So you know, we've seen him twice now. Uh, you know, no pads, no contact, but uh, just to get a look at things and. We're going to get into this, a little, I guess, a little position by position, but just, I guess, your first impressions of having been back out there and, uh, you know, what the vibe's been like at Allen Park. Fans were out there for whatever reason yeah. on Thursday. Uh, just your initial impressions. <laughs> well, I mean, certainly the the number one thing is comfortability. Everyone seems more comfortable with each other and sort of just like the run of show of what's going to happen out there. I can remember back to like the first... Um, you know, mini camp OTAs last summer or whatever with Campbell. And there was, I don't want to say it was like a nervous energy from all parties involved, but they were definitely anxious. You could sense it. Like everybody was new and you know, they're excited. And um, there was a lot of that sort of thing going on. And I think when we watched them last year, that led to a lot more clunkiness and it was fine. Everybody gave effort, but like, it does seem right now that Whatever they're doing seems to be probably more, I would assume it's more productive and efficient because everybody sort of knows what they're doing. And that has seemed really obvious. Like, Goff is really the one, I think, that uh, I noticed that the most. He Last year at this time, man, it was so obvious that he was still a guy that was like, he's still trying to find himself again, right, I guess, as a quarterback and rattled, right, from a confidence standpoint. And now you can definitely tell that he's comfortable with Campbell and Ben Johnson and um, the situation there in general. But I... It's been the whole team, really, I think, right? I, I think that's been the thing that struck me is that everybody's comfortable and and the work is probably more efficient as a result. Yeah, I mean, it's as it really has been since the start, it's it's a very positive vibe out there. Um, and, I, you know, I, Jeff Okuda talked on Thursday and it kind of hit me as he was talking, you know, saying how difficult this rehab has been and how long it's been since he's been on the field. You know, just thinking like his yeah. first offseason was – nothing basically 2020 was the COVID year so they didn't have any of this stuff in the offseason um and then last year they had the coaching change and they were you know everyone was still doing come in for daily COVID testing you got to wear the tracking stuff like you couldn't be with couldn't be in the huge groups like you had to just sit with your position and so still limited for sure right so I think that like some a lot of these young guys or even the guys who are veterans but you know were kind of new to the system or new to the place last year like this is the first time that they're really getting a feel for what it is in full, you know, that this is what, and hopefully it's, you know, knock on wood, we stay this way. Um, so I, yeah, that's, right. that's kind of interesting to watch too, as we get, watch these second, third year, even fourth year guys, um, just sort of how they react. And as you talk about being more comfortable, I think that that has to play a part in it that like the locker room isn't you know, there's not plexiglass dividers between every locker now, and you're not, yeah. you know, just like max ten to a room. Like you can have the whole team in a meeting room if you want now, and guys can go out to dinner without worrying about, uh, you know, taking their trackers with like all this stuff. Um, <laughs> which I think, not just for the Lions, but the whole league, I should help everyone feel a little better about things. But I, I do think. Uh, as the Lions get into the second year under Campbell and everything like that, they're still very much, you know, forming the culture that they keep talking about and, and right. making sure these bonds are sticking and everything. So I think that that is 
kind of something too. Is just that should help. So, but you mentioned golf. Yeah. So let's get into the quarterbacks there because I do think. I think some of this is you got to give credit to the coaches because we've talked about it a lot, just how much of last year and even the switch from Anthony Lynn to, you know, Campbell as play caller, how much of last year was about just like making sure Jared Goff was okay, <laughs> like yeah, that he right, could exactly. handle the change from a contender in LA where he lived all his life in California to now being the, you know, one of the faces of what you knew was going to be a pretty bad team in Detroit yep. and and just how he'd handle all that. You know, his team that picked him, giving up on him, essentially. Um, and I think I, I kind of I, I'm cautious to say too much because you don't want to come across like, oh, well, golf's going to be an all pro this year. But <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. they did a lot of work to make sure that he felt OK last year. And I think you're seeing some of the fruits of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's important to note that. um you know, they really, they did and they didn't do a lot of work like that at the beginning of last year. Like at the beginning of last year, it was it was very much, and I wrote this in this thing we wrote yesterday, um, that right or wrong, fair or unfair, whatever, like Anthony Lynn came in and installed an offense and expected Jared Goff to fit in that offense. And that was, and I think when you look back at their situation that they were in when they had all the new faces everywhere, that was about the only thing you could have done. And so they tried that. And it just really didn't work because I think maybe either it's an underestimation of how much more work Goff needed from a confidence standpoint from the staff at that time, or you know Anthony Lynn maybe being like, "Look, that's not my job. It's not my job to fit my system around a guy who can't run it. You hired me to run an offense, and I'm doing that, and that's not you know you know now I've got this court. So they had to make the decision in the middle of the year. Goff's the guy here. We don't have really a choice on that. So let's try to make things." work around him. And Ben Johnson said that again yesterday uh, a couple times that his number one goal this year, one of his top goals on the sheet is to to help Jared Goff have the best year of his professional career or his football life or whatever he said. And, you know, that that includes finding ways to make the offense um, be something that to where you're always in something that the quarterback does well. You're never in something where Goff isn't going to be able to do do it well or handle it well. And I think when we think back to the early half of last season, that's not what the Lions were in. They were that's really not that what they were doing. And so to Chris's point, you don't want to be over over the top here and say that like he's going to be an all-pro quarterback, but I think what Chris is saying and what I'm saying, I guess, and maybe we're both saying it is like when the season starts, Jared Goff's not going to have any of the well, he didn't have all of the... No, they're doing everything they can to make sure that you're going to get a full evaluation, a fair evaluation, and if he doesn't have a good year at the end of this year, you have your answer. And that's how I'm looking at it, and I think that's how you know it probably should be looked at right now, and I think that's fair. Well, I think the personnel is a big part of that, too. You know, yeah. even watching out there, like, Josh Reynolds looks pretty good. DJ Shark, you know what you know he can Absolutely. be at St. Brown's super comfortable now with Goff and in this offense year 2 like he looks really good as you would expect um i think Cephas has flashed a little bit already those couple days we've been out there i wrote i mentioned in our yeah. observation like Trinity Benson was all over the place yesterday like all these guys so they they're like 6 7 8 deep at wide receiver now with guys that he's you know he doesn't Hung, know shark as well too. but he's yeah. hungry guys and guys that he's comfortable with like Josh Reynolds yeah. That was a, and again, we, you know, this is something we talked about last year. It was a little confusing that they went after Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman when Josh Reynolds was out there at a reasonable right. price. But I think you saw 
uh, a change for the better in golf when Josh Reynolds got here, just because it was a guy he knew he could throw the ball to like yeah. beyond 10 yards and he could go catch it. <laughs> and so that helps too. So, and we've heard only positive things about how the Ben Johnson experience has gone for everyone so far. I mean, all this stuff that you want to hear and, and you know, you hear it a lot in June, like, Oh, everyone, everything's great. Everyone feels good. Everyone is getting along, but I think it is a stark contrast to last year when we were out oh, there yeah. and it was like, I don't know, man, this doesn't, <laughs> this it was very clunky. Yeah. It was very, um, tight. Cause it wasn't cold. That's the wrong word. Cause I was thinking that in my head, like, because it was cold would be like to say that it wasn't welcoming because it that's not the case at all it was very welcoming everybody was positive but it was very anxious right like everybody was everyone was new i think that that's the thing to remember not just not just the fact that you were starting over with a new staff and everybody's you know in, in that sense everyone's literally new but like if you really think about it like the lions had like five guys on the entire team that had been in detroit for more than like 14 months you know what I mean? As a player. Yeah. So it was just like everyone was so new. And now you look out there and at minimum, everyone's been there a year. Right. So it's like there's so many faces that are familiar um, and they went through what they went through last year together. And I think that's that does a lot for people. And you can see the closeness and the bonds that were built last year that have carried over uh, into this year. And I think that's something that has showed up too. you mentioned the culture building. And I know we'll get into other positions, but you can see how. You can see how positions work now differently, right? I think that that's been noted as well. Yeah, and again, I don't want to overhype where the offense is at or where it might be, but you, even just thinking back to like when we were watching out there every day for camp last year, it was horrible. We were looking at the you're looking at the defense, thinking, "All right, well, this is not a very this defense is going to struggle." Like, there's some right. definite holes on this defense, and every day. They were kicking the crap out of the offense. Right. <laughs> like, day. oh, this is yeah. going to be really, really bad. Like, the offense <laughs> couldn't throw the ball deep ever. No. Uh, you what know, was Goff was running for his life in seven on seven drills. Like, it didn't even make sense what we were watching. And what was and, the bet we did with Justin in the middle of camp where we were uh, like, if, if Goff completes <laughs> more than three balls of like 30 air yards yeah, it during was the air, whole season? It and it was like, air. boy, I don't know. Yeah, right. God damn. Yeah, and so now even just, again, even just comparing it to last year, like I think everything just looks, and that's not to say it's been good. Like there have been some moments where it's looked, there were a couple of plays yesterday, you know, Goff threw, you know, rolled to his left and just kept going and threw it out of bounds. And that was a seven on seven. The offensive lines mm-hmm. had some issues up front, you know, again, it's padless, it's no contact, but mm-hmm. um not to say it's been all smooth and it looks like a team that's going to score 40 a game, but it definitely looks more comfortable and more coherent. Yeah. So I think that that's positive. What is a little worrisome, and again, I don't know that, you know, most most teams in this league, you lose your starting quarterback, you're going to be in trouble. You're just going to try and hold it together. If Jared Goff goes down at any point here, the Lions have either Tim Boyle or David Blau in there as their backup. We saw Boyle for a bit last year coming off that injury. He got pressed into some starting duty right away, and then he started again uh, toward the end of the year. Um, I don't know how, how, how you feel about that group right now, um, but that that's uh, yeah. still feels like a spot that they needed to upgrade and didn't to me. Um, yeah, they definitely didn't. 
and yeah. they, they seem to have <laughs> right. they seem to they you know they're definitely taking the ride the full ride on Tim Boyle, and they you know they seem to be fine with being the only ones seemingly in the NFL that think that there's still, <laughs> still something there to mine I guess because frankly. Yeah, he needs to pick it up, I think, from what we've seen. Maybe he's had better days from when we're not out there, but the misses and the problems that he's having are the same. They are the exact same every time. It's not, it's nothing, like we just talk about, like you've got to get better, like all the things that Goff has improved upon, um, and you can almost see those things get better every day that he's out there. Boyle still has the same issues. You know, the deep ball looks great. Everything that's else it. Yeah, right. <laughs> a questionable, you know, what is happening. So, like, yeah, and, you know, we know that, you know, look, David Blau is is a, is a good dude that people like, and I think that, I think he helped Jared Goff a lot last year, probably in un- understated ways that people maybe don't ever realize. But, like, do you trust him to win you a game? No, you really, you don't. So, like, yeah, I, I agree with you. We're right back to where you, you kind of were in the Stafford times, right? Like, at, at, toward, the, toward the back end of... Uh, the run with Patricia, where it was like, you guys gonna do anything with the backup? Like every time Stafford gets hurt, he's getting old. Well, like it can't <laughs> just be a disaster, right? And it was like, so yeah, it's getting a little. That is a little concerning. Well, I, that, I yeah, you mentioned Justin Rogers uh, from yeah, the news. Right. Like we were out. That's it. We were talking yesterday, <laughs> trying to even remember. Then there, there was one specific yeah. anecdote we were talking about um, from training camp a few years ago, we were trying to even remember who the Lions backup no. quarterback was in 2019 or one of the David challengers Fales. for the backup David quarterback. Fales. Yeah. David Fields. But yeah, it does feel a little bit like that. I mean, I think you're right. I think that a lot of this is they like Boyle and Blau for what they give them in the locker room. And, you know, as yeah. someone who can help Goff, you know, read defenses on the sideline and go through the, tablet and you know find some holes and all those sorts of things which is certainly you need that but yeah I mean they're gonna be in a spot again if they ever have to go to their backup I think because you're right I and again this is no pads it's May June so we don't know any we don't know you know maybe he looks better maybe it all looks better in August but um it needs to when we were out there last week boil through the pick to like Demetrius Taylor, I can't even remember who it was. A defensive lineman just whipped it right into his arms. Yesterday yeah. he had one. Uh, Kirby Joseph picked him off uh, over the middle. Still he had sailing a, a bunch too. Bunch yeah. of throws that just were to no one really could have been intercepted. He threw a couple of those balls. I, m- I mentioned how active Kirby Joseph was uh, at safety. He had a couple plays where he had dropped deep, and if it had been live, I think he would have had at least a, a pass breakup, maybe a pick, but he could have yeah. unloaded on the tight end going yeah, up yeah, the yeah, seam, yeah. Yeah. and he didn't. And both of those throws were from from uh, from Boyle, you know, just kind of mm. leading his receivers into trouble. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I would have loved to see them. I think everyone would have loved to see them bring in just like someone right. a little different. Um, yeah. And... They haven't. And, so, and Boyle, this is in what a you weird got. way, is a little different. True. Because, yeah, it's like, true. He is physically, right? Like, But he hasn't paid. So, so the idea there was fine. But like, it, to me, it's like it needs to be better in summer. Or it needs yeah. to be better in camp. Because, yeah, I think you're at that point where it's like, oh, we probably need to see somebody else if you're not better in camp. I mean, when I say different, I mean, like, I want, like, Mike McMahon back in yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, yeah. 
I want the guy who's not really any good, but who would be fun to watch. He's going to go make plays, and he's not going <laughs> to... Yeah, right. If you put him in the game, you know... And maybe they think Boyle's like that. Like, I know they like how he competes and all this, and he had the injury last year. But, you know, I think that they'll probably leave OTAs in minicamp and be like, you need to be better. Like, that that's yeah. probably a message that will get delivered. So, running back's another spot where it's kind of interesting because they... They're is some depth but i don't know i feel a little after being out there for a couple days i feel a little more uneasy about running back than i thought i was going to you know they had deandre swift working on uh as a kick returner at the end of practice thursday and we were sort of talking about the viability of using him in that role because i think in an ideal world that's kind of a perfect usage for him let him get a couple blockers in front of him get ahead of steam he sees the field yeah, really well. He's he obviously great. can break tackles. I think he could be a, a great kick returner. Can you risk him? What happens if you lose DeAndre Swift again? You've got some guys that, you know, Craig Reynolds obviously performed really well. They like, uh, you know, Iguabuque's back. Jamar Jefferson's back. They're, they sound like Deuce Staley's they pretty like jacked Bell. up about Greg Bell. <laughs> yeah, Deuce um, loves Greg Bell. Yeah. But if you lose Swift in week two, and Jamal, your running back tandem for week three is Jamal Williams, Greg Bell. That's a different <laughs> offense than yeah, with Swift. So how, I guess, how yeah. careful do they need to be with DeAndre Swift here? Yeah, he can't be returning kicks, I don't think, right? Like that, yes. Careful, because he's the best. He In what we were talking yesterday, it's like, man, it would be nice if they had, you know, because Jamal Williams, I think, provides a really needed um you know, thing for them in that, you know, it's a guy who is a really good between the tackles runner who can also run outside and can take a lot of the load off of Swift and keep him fresh and and all those things. You don't have to switch the offense up when he comes in, but it really would be nice if that guy or another guy in there had a little more juice, you know, with the agility to where you could run some of the screens and some of the stuff that you can do with Swift to to where you could really open up Swift's package. I think that's what we were kind of talking about. To where you could really open it up and say, like, anything that you, you're possibly good at, we're going to do with you. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're not going to worry about if you get hurt because the season's over. We're just going to go. And we're going to cut it loose and play. Because I do think that Swift is a, you know, and I think we've seen enough of him. And he's not the only back in the league like this. So I don't, I, w- I wouldn't say he's, like, totally unique. But he's different. He's versatile. And his best, I think, best usage comes from as many things as you can get out of him. And I think that that's kind of what hit me. It was like, man, you, I wish for them they had maybe one more back in that mix that we knew for sure could be like a difference maker in tight windows like that. And I don't know that we have seen that yet. You know, it's, they like Greg, the deuce loves Greg Bell. And I think they're still very hopeful that Iguibuque can turn into something that's, you know, going to surprise people. But, and, you know, Craig Reynolds, as Deuce called him, Hulu now, he's not Netflix anymore. <laughs> right. yeah, I guess that's an upgrade. Know, yeah. Why. Is that a better? That's what I said. I was like, I don't think Hulu's an upgrade, too. So I don't know what you're talking about. But, um, yeah, I think he got confused. I was like, he thinks Hulu's better than Netflix, I guess. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, you know, that's kind of a thing where you talk about maybe wishing you would have added one more layer. Maybe that would have been something, but. Maybe that's nitpicky. I don't know. But yeah, it's interesting for sure. I mean, even just one more guy who could step out in space yeah. and be like, if you want to move Swift to the slot or if you want to use him as a receiving threat. Like, I think 
Igwebuke, maybe Jamar Jefferson. I think you know, definitely Jamar Jefferson. Like they have some of that upside, but we haven't seen a ton of it. I don't know that that's really ever going to be Jamal Williams' game. Like he's a guy no, you can use uh, as a pass catcher, but frankly, he's probably someone they'll use more as a blocker uh, than right. they will as a receiver. Um, again, maybe Craig Reynolds, like Greg Bell. Uh, caught four, yeah. 19 passes in he college, did. like not a lot. Like there's not a ton there. He's going to be 24 this month too. Or, yep. So it's not like you're getting a, you know, a, a really young prospect in there. So they don't really have, to your point, they don't really have another guy who's proven to be able to go create some of those mismatches. And like, you're not just going to go find a DeAndre no. Swift on the street, yeah, right. but it would be, I think that's the thing, like trying to figure out if any of these guys can replicate some of the skill set that he has, or if it's just going to look completely different when he's not yeah, on the I field. Don't, I, I don't want to say that you need like a third down back or whatever, like in that sense, but it's almost like that. They, I would say like that. They, <laughs> yeah. It's, it feels like that's what they need, you know? Yeah. Because it, it feels like they need somebody who can take, yeah, somebody who can take some of that off, off of Swift's plate because his plate is really, really full, I guess is what we're getting at here. Um, and that's the thing that I guess hit me where it was like, he is your best, if you stacked it up and said, who's your best playmaker in space at any level, it'd be Swift. Who's your best back? It's Swift. Who's your best returner? It's Swift. Who's your best like <laughs> right, guy to right. catch the ball yeah. and make something happen? It's Swift. Like He's the best at everything you're doing. So I think the answer, Jamison Williams might be the answer. It's a guy that mm. can take the load off in space, in a window, and say, go worry about him. And like he's going to go make plays. And maybe we can take more chances with you know DeAndre in that area because... We have another guy who can be explosive. I think that maybe would be something that could help him too, you know. Um, not necessarily in, in just a carry situation, but just in an offensive situation. Uh, spinning over to the wide receivers, Jamison we haven't seen. I don't – you know, I, I I think the rehab's going well there, but I don't think they're expecting him to be ready for the start of the year. That's sort of the vibe Doesn't we've gotten all good. along from everyone. Like that's going to be a probably a pupless situation where you hope to get him back after – six weeks uh and he's good to go in october sometime but even without him i mentioned you know reynolds shark st brown cephas mm -hmm. khalif raymond is that your five is anyone yeah, cracking so. that group i mean cephas has looked solid right i think um and he always looks good in these <laughs> in these yeah. settings but uh he's looked like he's in shape and ready to go and you know um all that. So, I mean, and I, I was encouraged. I think we were all encouraged by how he played before his injury last year. So I definitely think he's bought himself another good look here. And yeah, those five you just mentioned are all guys that I think Cephas would be the one that probably still has some to prove. But the other four are certainly guys they trust, certainly guys golf trusts. And if you were to go out there and trot those four out, I think it'd be better certainly than the, than the first half of last year. Right. So, um, not bad, but you know you would like to have more explosion, and that's the yeah, that's the Jamison part that comes in later. Do you uh, do you think he's already getting cheers from the crowd on Thursday? Khalil Pimpleton has any shot here? <laughs> we keep getting asked about you know the local know. kid, the fan favorite. He is really small. <laughs> he is really Look, small. It's uh, I don't know. Like you talk about returners, you know, and maybe that's a guy that in guys that can yeah. beat people out in space. Maybe that's something where. Um, you know, before, you know, while Williams is hurt, you know, if he's out, maybe that's, uh, maybe that creates an opportunity for someone uh, like that, that can come in there. And, you know, I mean, he would have as good a chance as anybody in that, in that section, right? For sure. I mean, like in the under, as, 
an underneath receiver that can come in and earn a job or hang around. But I don't know. He gets <laughs> swallowed up pretty pretty fast <laughs> sometimes I mean, I, yeah. in, uh, in, in some of these press drills and anything else. I mean, the, the size is definitely something he's going to have to overcome. And he's fast, but like... To be that small in this league, you have to be like, holy shit fast. And I'm not sure if that's quite there, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a couple of these guys will stick around. Uh, maybe Trinity Benson's a practice squad guy. Corey yeah, Sutton's yeah. a big body on the outside. Maybe he's a practice squad guy. And to me, that's what, you know, if you can put Pimpleton on the practice squad, yeah, like Tom yeah, Kennedy's sure. been, and then you can use him as like your scout team. You know, He's the guy that yes, plays the slot guy, exactly. but Tom Kennedy sometimes plays like when they play mobile quarterbacks, sometimes yeah, they're just like, Hey Tom, run around back there and yep. let the guys chase you. And so uh, I think maybe a user like he could be, if you're playing a team that has a guy like Swift, maybe you let Pimpleton play mm-hmm. that role. Um, so cool. I think that that's probably, I don't want to talk yeah, too much future, about yeah. Cleo Pimpleton, but I think that's probably, <laughs> um, but just uh, back on the Ben Johnson conversation for a quick moment here do you because we talked about last year at camp where it was like you know uh, Prashad Perriman basically ran straight down the field on every route and Uh Tyrell Williams would either go it was either that go route or occasionally like a deep over right Um, (laughs) yes that's it do you get the sense that there's going we've heard shark say that he's going to do more he's been looking at more routes he that was one of the things that excited him about this offense Ben Johnson's talked about being more diverse like that. Do you get any sense early on that that's going to come to fruition, that we're going to see not just St. Brown and a tight end, you know, running crossing routes, but we're going to see them taking advantage of everything they've got here? Yeah, I do. I think that we're going to see more. He, you know, Ben Johnson talked about it. He said it. We went back and looked at a lot of the Ram stuff um, that, that Jared did well. And I would seem to me that they're going to use it, you know, um, why wouldn't you, right? Like I would think that if it were me, I would try to get myself back in situations where you're you're getting him back in those wide zone play action looks, uh, you know, like that he did so well that teams have schemed to take away, right? And you can't just live in it as we've seen where the Rams tried to do that and they got all the way to the Super Bowl doing that. But like some of that stuff um, that he does a great job of, I think that you'll see some of that come back. And I think that's good. And look, I mean – the, the, the end of the day here is that this offense is built around that offensive line. And, you know, that offensive line's athleticism uh, and potential gives them the ability to do a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and still base everything through the run game. So they can be different. They can be, you know, multiple and dynamic and change speeds and do all this. T- and I think that they're going to try – like you said, Chris, like everything. And I, I think we'll see maybe some more motion. You know, once they get to the season, we'll see maybe some more of that stuff. Maybe you, once Jamison Williams gets healthy, get the jet game going a little bit and see if that can, you know, open some things up. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of that. Ben Johnson is a younger guy um, who is clearly more open to younger concepts, younger concepts, whatever, concepts that are coming up through college and high school, right? <laughs> right I mean, period, yeah. right? So, that seems to be on the way, and I, I think that, um, yeah, I think we'll see some, and it might not be stuff that pops to the average eye, but, you know, I think you'll see some different things in the run game for sure, and certainly some things that if you watch the Rams from Goff's good years, that might look familiar. Who's the first non-quarterback to throw a pass on a trick play this year? Uh, Reynolds, isn't that his Jack thing? Jack Fox? <laughs> oh, <Reynolds>. yeah. <laughs> 
Level yeah, Reynolds. Like, I was going to yeah. say St. Brown. I could see him throwing like yeah. the little screen to St. Brown and have him. I think Reynolds and St. Brown are both like <laughs> le- like solid at it. St. Brown is probably way better at it than I'm, I'm sure St. Brown for. could do it. He's probably like good at it. You know, he may. We were talking about that yesterday too with him about his just effortless. Everything yeah. he does is still just, yeah, what a player. That offensive line, we haven't, it's a sort of a running gag now that we haven't seen it together. Yeah. Uh, but now Decker, they're taking it easy with Decker. Campbell said last week, if it was a game week, Decker could play. They said it's not the exact same injury that he suffered on his foot in week 18, but a similar area. Decker said it's all kind of related. Um, so I would assume he's ready to go by camp. Maybe we finally get a look at, yeah, at this thing so. in full. Sewell's been playing mostly, maybe exclusively left tackle when yeah, we've seen him. Left. Uh, Matt Nelson has been playing on the right with that first team. But that, again, gets to an issue that I think we talked about through much of the offseason and hasn't really resolved itself yet, which is once you get beyond that top five and then Evan Brown, who I think – We've seen mm-hmm. can play center. Yeah, solid player. Uh, who else you got in that room that you really like? I mean, maybe Nelson, I guess. And I don't even know that I'm willing to go that far <laughs> on him. Everything else is pretty touch and go, and we've seen it already, even without contact. That second team uh, defensive line has just been rolling through the second team offensive line. Yeah. So. How much of a concern is that the depth up front? Yeah, it remains so. Um, I would, I mean, and Nelson is like a good example of a guy who um, I, they like him clearly, but yeah. like it's like, but it's like <laughs> Tommy Kramer think, too. Yeah, but I think they like him, and it's like I kick. I, I sometimes wonder. It's like, do you like him more than you should, or exactly <laughs> as much as you should, while also knowing that that's quite not good enough yet? You know, and it's like. For your six linemen, because he did have some nice moments out there. I think when they put him in as like the extra tight end, when he was like the seventh yeah, lineman. Yeah. But you know, can he hold up as a starting right tackle in a pinch if Decker's out and Sewell has to flip? You know, I you know that's uh, you know that remains sort of a question. Then they got the Eze kid in from TCU, um, and you know his length is certainly very real. But I mean, he is a long term project. I think. I mean, that's a guy who needs a lot of work with technique and everything else. So. Not an answer. Um, and so, yeah, it remains. But this is also something we talk about every year where it's like this is a lot of teams have these issues. It's sure. just something that you have to go through. But, uh, yeah, um, not not great. I would have, you know, that's another one where it's like you'd like to see maybe it would help if like somebody like Logan Stenberg could be <laughs> more valuable than he's been, right? But yeah. it obviously hasn't happened yet. What's what the Lions picked up? Like Evan Brown was – the previous regime got him in like yeah. December of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this is one where, you know, as teams start to trim their roster, you probably look and say, well, is there a yeah, veteran yeah. who can be a swing guy for us? And and maybe you bring him in. Yeah. I mean, Stenberg's still the one to me, if there's going to be a guy there who makes a big leap and becomes a part of this, this is year three for him. He's been yeah. hurt for the first two years. Uh, again, he had all the challenges that the 2020 class had coming in with with the COVID regulations and everything, and the, the Lions 2020 class had coming in with the Matt Patricia era. Oh, so, God, um, this is a big. Uh, I think this is a make or break. You know, three months for him. Um, oh, certainly. Yeah, he's not going to be on the roster in September if he doesn't 
play well enough in the next uh, you know few few weeks to earn it. So um, that's really the one to me that if you get if he takes a leap and he's a guy that you can trust at guard, then I think you're feeling better about things because Evan Brown I think is I'm actually surprised frankly that they were able to get him back as a backup center because I think he proved he could go start somewhere. Um, yeah. And I assume that's why they didn't draft anybody. I mean, right, right. Like that's because exactly like Evan Brown is a, is a nice, solid, young, you know, and he had how many games did he start last year? By, by that time it was all over. Uh, he started yeah, like the entire 10. second half of the year, right? Yeah. So, so, and he played pretty well. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, he wasn't 12. Like he started 12, yeah, last 12 year. games and he played pretty well. I mean, he's playing next to, you know, and I think Vitae had a nice year, uh, but, and Jonah had a good year, but like those guys aren't. Like all stars or whatever, I guess that we would. I, was Jonah an All Pro? Did he make Pro Bowl? Whatever. He was a Pro not, Bowl. Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah, but they're not. But we. They're not what we. We would consider, you know, like multi year, whatever. So like, yeah, I mean, that was a good find. But yeah, I, I do. That's one where I would have like. I go back and forth. Maybe you like to use a draft pick in there, but at the same time, like Evan Brown was a nice find, and you keep him. So Stenberg would be nice, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. <laughs> Well, the, before we flip to the defense, the other thing I wanted to point out is something you mentioned to me the first time we were out there for OTAs is that, you know, Vitae is still yes. listed for the moment at uh, whatever it is, 330, 325. Um, mm-hmm. But he looks, his body composition looks different than the last mm-hmm. time we saw him. He oh, looks yeah. slimmed down for sure. Big time. Like he looks, and now I, I almost wonder like if he's going to work on his body for the rest of the summer and he comes back in with more weight on I don't know but like he definitely cut a lot that's the this is the lightest we've ever seen him certainly in the three years or whatever it's been um that he's been here he almost looks like a different guy like he's really lean and uh moving well and seems to be you know the same whatever and it's uh he's a guard now I think that's really right I think that might be kind of kind of the thing here that he's like his body has changed, and we'll see if he changes it more as he goes forward. But, you know, the, the guys talk so much about how strong he is inside, just natural strength. I think just like the hand strength that he has is is next level. But, um, yeah, when he's got good movement, like he's a good run blocker, really good run blocker. And to see him, like, light on his feet a little bit more has been um, – that's been encouraging. It's been, it's been good to see, I think, for them because they like him a lot, you know. And, and we know that Sewell loves him, so um, – yeah, that's, that's good to see for them because I think maybe you're getting closer to seeing a guy who can be here for a minute. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how that's all going to go with the contract and everything else. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply i guess we should start along the defensive line with the first pick this year number you know number two pick but first pick for the lions aiden hutchinson um and we've heard (laughs) brocker said it again after practice yesterday we've heard it now from like two or three different guys i think you even said it when he walked past (laughs) us like man he is he's bigger than i thought he was and that was what brocker said (laughs) yeah yeah. and you covered him but that was (laughs) Brocker said he worked out at the same facility in California uh, as yeah. Hutchinson, and that was his first impression out there was, man, he is a big, like a legit 6'6 six, yeah. six dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a big guy. Um, and so yeah. for all the talk about the arm length and everything, like, he definitely has probably more size than people give him credit for. Um, yeah. And we've seen him already. They've been using him in sort of that, you know, four i three tech yep. whatever spot uh for some of these pass rush packages he's playing outside in the base defense i, I think it's pretty clear he's gonna p- get some shots kind of all over there um i don't know guess guess back to first impressions like what do you think so far of how he's fitting in to what they're trying to do up front yeah really well and i think the the main thing again and we knew that this was gonna this is what they were gonna get is that he he empties his tank on every single rep. And that's what they loved about him, I think, more than anything else. And obviously this stuff, and this is the stuff that, I think this is why guys like Brockers and stuff always end up like, whoa, I, I didn't realize, you know, the quickness too. <laughs> it's because yeah. all you hear about from Aiden Hutch is, is the effort, which is just, because it's the real deal. I mean, like he, uh, we were out there for the first OTA and they were doing the bag drills and we talked about this, you know, where they went through the, maybe that was mini camp. They went through the full, the bag drills and uh he went so hard that Todd Wash like gave him a hug after he was done with it because I mean every rep he just empties himself and even in I wrote about it and somebody commented like because he tossed Vitae yesterday and somebody's like well how is he tossing Vitae in a non-contact and there's always contact right in the in the trenches in there and he 
he is coming off the ball and he's playing hard and it's not and it's every snap right and it's every single snap <laughs> no 100 gonna fight someone in yes and it's and i was sitting there yesterday just waiting and they were doing 11 on 11 and he was doing the and i think he was he was it was third down right so they were only doing third down stuff and i think he was sort of like wherever the back was lining up that's where the side he was lining up on but the they kept you know he kept going on the other side opposite Sewell he never lined up over Sewell I was just like get me if they line him up over Sewell in this he's yeah. gonna hit him and <laughs> Sewell's gonna hit him back and it, and they never did and it was like yeah I was waiting for it but it's probably already happened I mean we haven't seen every we right. haven't seen yeah, every right. workout it's probably already happened but bottom line is all the things that they're tinkering with. You know, he, he's working with the first team already, um, some yesterday there, but it's the effort that you that shows up every single time. And um it's uh, it's always impressive. He's a, he's an impressive player for sure. Yeah, I mean those one on one matchups, I, I when they get into camp and the pads are on, I mean, hopefully he is getting Sewell and Decker and that's the matchup for him. Uh yeah. maybe a guard occasionally. He'll probably ask for it, I would think. Yeah. Like I hope they're not running him out there against like Dan Skipper. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like I think I want to see some of the like Hutchinson yeah. against Sewell in those one on ones would be a lot Absolutely. of fun to watch. And I yeah. assume we'll get to see some of them. Um, I mentioned that Brockers spoke, which uh, sort of buries the lead that Brockers was there um, after he <laughs> he didn't yeah, right. do the OTAs last week. And I don't think they really have. They want him in the building. He's a leader. Like he's, I mentioned in our story, he's the only guy on the roster who's older than 28 years old, which is insane. Crazy, like that's yeah. ridiculous. Um, God. so they, but they need him. He was a, they talked about him a bunch last year being a leader. Nick Williams was the other guy who they really mm-hmm. hyped up, and now he's not there. So even more falls, uh, on Brocker's plate this year. So I think it was important for him to be in there. I don't know. Like he really didn't do anything in camp last year. He was there no, no, and did like yes. the walkthrough stuff, and then That's it. just sort of stood on the side and and watched and you know talked to guys, which whatever I think is fine. And I think they're fine with that. Oh, Campbell um, said it, he was fine with it. He's like he yeah. can sit in the ice tub if he wants. He give a <laughs> yeah. uh, but but beyond him being there, he talked a little bit about this defense and and sort of how he likes his role in in the changes to the scheme, and he compared it to what he played in in LA, which he said the phrasing he used was, you know, you kind of get a three, four look to it, but it operates really more like, a, you know, as they've said, more right. like a four, three it's or attacking. more like, you know, yeah. four, two, five, because it's attacking. You're not playing like the Patricia three, four was like the two Old gap stuff, three, like yeah. just eat up the gaps, let everyone else make plays. That's not what this is. Even when they're, we've seen a lot of the three, four, or like four, three under type stuff, you know, like the, the, three, four alignments where it's, yeah. uh, where they have like Julian Okora standing up on one side and maybe Charles Harris or someone standing up on the other side. So you have four defensive linemen out there, but, um, guys are getting into gaps. And I think, I don't know. I look at uh, the pieces on this roster and it, sh- it makes a lot of sense to me when they're saying yeah. we adjusted to what we have. Cause I think pretty much every guy on that roster, other than maybe John Penasini, you would say is better if you let him attack a gap than try to eat up space. I think. I mean, I, unless yes, I'm absolutely. missing someone. This feel that this felt like a natural progression of their defense, just in general. Like that's the, and, and only really the I look at it now, and it's like the only reason they might not have done it last year was because maybe they just didn't think these guys were ready or didn't know if they were ready. But you know, yeah, I mean, that's why you draft Levi Anzarike. I mean, he is a 
gap shooter, havoc causer, don't worry about anything else. And when we talk about like two gapping really quick, if people don't, you know, a yeah. two gapping nose tackle is somebody who's going to, you know, line up over the center and be responsible for the gap, you know, on either side of the center's shoulder, right? So you're, you're responsible for all of that space eating up all that's insane. You know how hard that is? Like that's <laughs> Vince Wolfhook was good at it. Okay. Like that's it. Like <laughs> more of the NFL. It's really hard to do. It's just not easy to do. That's why it's like so coveted in college. You know, the best defenses in college every single time have a hammer nose tackle who can yeah. eat three gaps if he wants to. Well, and that's and what so, McNeil was a lot right, in college. So that's like coveted. what he did. Yeah. And so it's hard to do first and foremost. And it's easier for a guy to just play in his instinctual athletic, you know, and because Aleem can do this too, where you just get off the ball, get in that gap as hard as you can and just eat it right there. Just dominate that gap. And I'm curious to see what they do with the run defense as it goes forward. You know, a lot of the stuff the Rams ended up doing with Brandon Staley was attack the gap, reach back and do gap and a half, which is the off arm goes back. And then you're basically trying to just cause problems for blockers to where they can't get out and get a clean hit on a linebacker, right? So the linebacker can come down and make it and make a tackle to where you're not having to fit every gap perfectly. We talk about all those like, you know, every gap has to be fit perfectly or you're going to get a run hit on you for 55 yards and it's you're not going to touch the guy. Like we see those things happen. And so I think this defense right. is giving you an opportunity maybe to create a little more trash in there that they have to kind of sift through and let your linebackers pick through it and make plays. So, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense with the roster and everything that they have. Hutchinson, too. I mean, he's perfect for that. That's what they yeah. ran in Michigan, frankly. Right. I mean, and like you, to your point, I think you're – it's not just to pin your ears back and go. No. Because you, no. Don't, you don't want to get caught. Like, even, like, thinking back to when they had – like, Sue when Sue was here and he was so good every year, but even when he would get – Teams would be able to run at him on occasion because they just let him go upfield and then like trap yeah, block him or something, and then they right. run right into that gap. And so I think that you're trying to avoid, uh, trying to avoid some of that for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it also speaks a little bit to just sort of how offenses and defenses have evolved in the NFL. And you mentioned Ben Johnson pulling stuff yeah. up from high school and college. Like it doesn't really make sense to say first and second down we're going to two gap. <laughs> and then we're going to rotate all our personnel out, and then we're going to attack on third downs. Because that's the just Lions did do. that last yeah. year. I mean, that's how they rotated their guys for most of last year. I mentioned in our observations, yeah. like Brockers played mostly run defense last year, and he ended up with one sack and one QB hit, and they just didn't really use him in that way. But teams throw so much on first and second down now that it doesn't really make sense to say, "All right, we're going to play base run defense for until it's third down," because then you're going to have you're going to be in trouble if teams are right. going to throw the ball around. So and you can I think, play odd front and replace yeah. your gaps with the half. I mean, that's the idea is you're replacing what you lose by just creating. If you have havoc makers, and you know the Rams have Aaron Donalds, the best in the world at it. <laughs> right. Like you're the whole goal is to just call, give the back, make the back have to think for a half second longer about where he's going to go off of a zone run. And that gives your linebacker a half second edge to go make a hit, you know, and that's that's the whole thing. I think that's what they're going to do in the end, and it makes a ton of sense um, with who they have for sure. 
two guys I wanted to hit on real quick before we go to the linebackers. Um, Josh Pascal, the other mm-hmm. draft pick up front, uh, and then Jayshon Cornell, who I, I mentioned in the observations, yeah. uh, has been playing with the what essentially would be the first team sort of sub package like pass defense uh, with Hutchinson. And yesterday it was it was yesterday it was Julian Okora, Hutchinson, um, Cornell, and then Charles Harris as uh, you know, sort of your I guess like NASCAR package, whatever you want to call it, just like all pass rush guys. Um, I don't know. Do you think he has a shot here? <laughs> There's a lot of bodies in the middle in this mix. They just added one, John Kaminsky. Um, you know, Pascal's going to be in there somewhere. He's another guy that I think you're probably using as a like three tech pass rusher. Um, yes, he's going to gain the weight. Yeah. So, is there a shot for Cornell here? And how much do you see? Like, is Pascal going to be on the field? I guess would be the other question there. Well, I mean, Cornell's still here, so I guess that's the <laughs> thing where it's like, yeah. Um, you know, he's still here. I, I, he's an athlete. I mean, it's it's not. There's something to him, I think, um, that, you know, you, you just haven't gotten the full look on him. He was a big-time recruit. I remember that. I mean, athletically, he's got enough there, I think, and some positional versatility possibly to where they're probably going to take a longer look at him. And it's like he hasn't been healthy. It's like he just – I don't know. It's it's one of those things where in terms of depth and everything else, he just hasn't been healthy enough to get out there and make a run. So I'm curious, I would be curious to see what he can do in a camp if he's healthy for the full, for the full camp, because we just, I mean, my God, he got hurt on like his first rep of a, as a pro the one year in the COVID year. And then he's just been behind the eight ball. So we'll see, uh, we'll see on him. And then Pascal. Yeah. I want to see what, where his body sort of ends up um, in the end, because we've talked a lot about that with him, about how he clearly lost weight for the combine um, and then it's going to, I think, gain strength back as he goes here. Sewell did the same thing, in fact. Um, and he was talking about that too, actually, uh, the year before. But I think Pascal will be another one who probably bulks up and then moves inside and is probably maybe even a tackle in, in this defense more than an end. Um, when it ports all said, almost like Deshaun Hand would have been maybe if he'd stayed yep. and still and stayed here. Yeah. Uh, linebackers, I know you wrote a piece. Uh, last week, right? And mm-hmm. uh, just sort of how a couple of these guys fit in. And it, it's been interesting to watch it play out because uh, Julian Okwara is, as was promised, is sort of um, the hybrid. I mean, he's like the prototype hybrid in this defense. Yeah. He's been bouncing back and forth between the D-line drills and linebacker drills. He's been playing off the edge. They've been dropping him in the space. There was a play at Thursday's practice and I didn't see how it happened, but he ended up like 25 yards deep in the middle yes. of the field, um, defending. Uh, so he's kind of all over. I think, you know, you've got a couple guys like, like James Houston, their other draft pick, I think yep. is going to do that. Jared Davis. We've seen him on the edge a yep. lot already. Um, I, just how do you feel like this is going to come together? Like, is it Anzalone and Barnes are going to be your base guys and everyone else is slotted in, or is this going to be mix and match as they go? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts on what was a bad unit last yeah. year and needs to be a lot better. I don't think they know what Julian is going to be, first of all, with him. And I, I like that they're doing this, frankly, because when we watched all of his stuff at Notre Dame, Julian O'Quara was the, a great example of a – fantastic athlete with pretty good football instincts that had no idea how to play football. Like he was like just all over the place. Like there were times where he would make an outstanding play. And then there were times where you're like, where is he? Like he is completely lost (laughs) and like 
Totally right. gone. So a lot of his, like, it's like, I still think they're maybe searching for where does he, where does he fit best in terms of like, where do we get the most out of him? You know, like that kind of thing. So I like that they're doing that with him. And I think that he's still one that you're kind of, kind of, we'll see. And he's a package guy and everything else. But in terms of the rest, yeah, the stack, I would think that Anzalone is going to be the guy until one of those younger guys takes his job. Uh, Barnes seems to be, you know, the number two there right now with him. And then, you know, we wrote this yesterday, but it, it looks to me that they're not dumping too much on Rodriguez or James Houston, really, but especially Rodriguez. They're not putting a ton on his plate yet. They're letting him work with the young guys. They did the same thing with Barnes last year. Uh, he's working with the, you know, scout team, more or less, um, uh, if you want to call it that or whatever else, on the second field and all that, like Campbell talks about. Um, and I, I would bet that that picks up in training camp. And right yeah. now you're looking at Chris Board and some of those guys and probably seeing how much more is it, you know, is there more, should we get another look at this guy as he goes forward? Because you know you're going to get more with Rodriguez, I assume. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I'm curious to see how, you know, the first week or so of camp looks, you know what I mean? Like when they get pads on and hit, because I think that the rotation there will look a lot different. I mean, I will say I like – Initial reaction is I like what they're doing with Jared Davis too. If he's going to be here, they they like I I think they really love Jared Davis as probably yeah, every coaching it. staff would yeah. <laughs> because yeah, of the way he perform the way he works. You know, um, mm-hmm. a, a, but I like what they're doing. They're doing the stuff that we always thought the Lions should do with him, which is I don't even know that he'd really play in that stack. Maybe he's one of your backup guys there. I don't know that he'd really play there. They're basically just using him as an edge rusher, (laughs) you know, like a, a different, uh, a different type of edge rusher. And I think you just let him get downhill and hit some people. And he forced the, the Kirby Joseph pick, right? I think uh, Thursday, just by, it wasn't even a good pass rush. He just sort of like fell fell over and, and broke up the pocket. Uh, He can, he can get down and dip around some of these tackles. I mean, it's, He's working on it. I mean, like, that's, uh, you know, they, who did, I saw the Broncos moved Baron Browning. Uh, do you see this? Yeah. Uh, he's now just an edge rusher. That's all he's doing. I don't hate it. Like, if a guy can't play in the stack, if his instincts aren't there, but he's still a good athlete, and he knows, you know, and and, he, and he's here for it, find something for him to do. Like, <laughs> find something for him to do. Be a coach. So, I love it. This is, and I'm glad that we haven't seen him wandering around trying to cover a tight end (laughs) down a seam, you know, like stop it like that, you know, it doesn't work. So don't do it. Like, and it's, it's refreshing to see that. And I'm hopeful that it works for, for Jared Davis. Like he's a good guy. Uh, He's been through a ton um, that people, some, some that people know, some that people don't know. Right. So, I mean, like, like everybody else. And uh, so I'm hopeful that it works out for him. And I know that they are too. So we'll see, but so far it looks like special teams, and some sort of pass rushing thing, you know, hybrid role, whatever it might be, maybe a wide nine type guy, um, you know, in certain situations. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And he really wants to be here, which I don't Absolutely. think goes overlooked. Like, yeah. really, really wants to be a Detroit Not Lion. lost on him. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it, you know, I think people don't realize, you know, maybe they do. But, like, I think it really bothered, bothers, stings him that he wasn't able to, you know, live up. He was a first round pick. I think it meant a lot to him that he was a first round pick here and and that, you know, he, he seemed to carry that that that, you know, and understood what it meant. Frank Ragnall is the same way, understands what it means to the franchise when they take a 
take that draft pick on you. And I think it always has bothered Jared yeah. that it didn't work out. And yeah, it means a lot to him, clearly, that he's still here, for sure. Uh I guess we'll split up the secondary here real quick. I don't know that we've learned a whole lot at cornerback other than that <laughs> Melifanu maybe is not a cornerback anymore and Will Harris probably is yeah, a cornerback right. mostly now, but uh, Okuda... But maybe not. We'll see. Yeah, well, Okuda, as we mentioned, isn't all the way back yet. It sounded like maybe for camp. Jerry Jacobs is probably a little further behind that. So it's yeah. been... Uh, Oro Warrior, not surprisingly, has been working uh, you know, essentially as the one... Um, Will Harris has been the two when Okuda has been. Okuda's both just been out there for install stuff as yep. as a starter, you know, quote unquote starter right now. And then Will Harris has been coming in for him when they've had to do any actual, you know, teamwork drills. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the depth looks wide open there. Uh, the injury issues are probably gonna. The questions are gonna linger into camp. Like, is Okuda ready for Week One? Is Jacobs gonna be back? How? Comfortable are you feeling with what they have going on at cornerback right now? Oh, not at all. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's it. I think that's uh, the answer. Yeah, I mean, not at all, really. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, Aubrey Pleasant and company are going to earn their money here. Um, I mean, Okuda, Campbell said yesterday the, the Achilles is the least of their concerns, which is, you know, great news, obviously, for him. And he seemed very confident that he would be ready to go by camp to hit and all these things. And, and, you know, he is actually running around and he looks good running around and doing all the looks, doesn't look like he's bothered by any of that. Um, it's all mental, right. For him, as it's always been, uh, and everything else. And you talked just a second ago about all those guys who came in in the 2020 class and had to deal with all that. Like, you know, he's number one on that list. Uh, so, I don't know what's going to happen with him. That's the <laughs> ultimate mystery. But yeah. then you look at the rest of the guys and it's like, you know, Will Harris, uh, you know, I could see Will Harris being a guy that maybe, maybe that does stick for him, but I don't know if I trust it right now, you know? <laughs> and so like, you know, there's a lot of, it's the same thing as it was a year ago where it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's enough and um, still very much a question for sure. Safety yeah. I feel better about for them, but not corner. No. Uh, and just quickly, I mean, I think the slot competition looks like it's going to be AJ Parker against Mike Hughes mostly. Um, mm -hmm. it seems like that's where they, like, I haven't seen, Parker's I've been trying been to watch mostly yeah, that I've seen. he's been with the one and I haven't really noticed Hughes stepping out to play at all. I think he's only been in the slot so far. So, um, you know, yeah. he, again, that kind of limits your out. Like you need, you really need Okuda to come back healthy. Like you need yes. Okuda and probably Jacobs, but you definitely need Okuda because especially he if they're moving, well. yeah. like Melifanwu before he got hurt last year was playing pretty well. Like he looked like he had some upside on the, on the outside, but we also from the time they drafted him mentioned that safety oh, yeah. might make more sense for him. He's been repping a lot at safety from what we've seen. Uh, and again, you see what, you know, mandatory minicamp will get three days of looks. Hopefully he's out there and able to participate. Um, but it looks like so far it's been uh, Walker and Deshaun Elliott, as you would expect. And now Kirby Joseph's been up repping with uh, the twos. But we've seen a lot of guys cycle through. You know, Malafonwu, um, C.J. Moore has been getting some two reps. Brady Breeze, I think, was in that group yeah. yesterday. So um, there's at least a little depth. I think Kirby Joseph does Kirby. change sort of how this looks overall because of uh, just his knack for being around the football. I mentioned he had the pick. He had a couple others he maybe could have picked. Like he's just always sort of yeah, finds he's, his he's way nice there. Player. So I think that that helps. 
Yeah, and and it's nice to see that he doesn't look lost. You know what I mean? Like it's right. nice to yep. see that he is just. I think he's going to be able to help him. You know, I, I don't know about right away, and I don't know what the role will be exactly. Like I was thinking that yesterday, like. Just the way that the corner situation is and some of his traits, like I think you could probably even like if he had to play in the slot or nickel or whatever, I don't know. But I, I think he's going to help them in some capacity. I don't think it's going to be too big for him. Like it seems like he's going to be able to be okay, you know, and, you know, it might not be perfect, but like a guy that can come in and, and do some things. Because we're, again, you're talking about needing Jerry Jacobs to get back and no offense to Jerry Jacobs, but I mean, the guy is not exactly Deion Sanders here. I mean, he, he had like one good stretch of a half of a season last year. And it's like, and I know they like him a lot. And it might be something where, you know, it ends up really working out. But that's, they have the confidence in these guys. And they're the ones who instill it in them. But it's like, you know, we're the ones who sit there and say, I don't see it until they got to show it. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know, man. Like, I would, I would definitely want to add something more there. But like, you know. Uh, they haven't, so it's the same conversation we had last year. Same exact thing. Yeah. I mean, o- yeah. Okuda to me, not to go back to the corners, but just as we're talking about the secondary as a whole here, like and, and the moving parts, Okuda to me might be the single biggest X factor about oh, how this is going to look. Because if he's you're not, if he is back, like legitimately back, and you what trust if he him plays to well? start, right, right, and he <laughs> plays well. They love Oruwariye. He had a big yeah. year last year, um, and he's. That's another guy where I don't think you or I are as high on him as they are, but no. certainly I see the value in sure. Oruwariye, and he's sure. proven he oh, can yeah. start and make plays in this league. So if you have, like, legitimately have Okuda and Oruwariye locked in as your starters, you have Parker and Hughes to play the slot. Now you can float Will Harris. That helps take some of the pressure off at safety. I think you can float Melifonwu too. I think, like, Okuda being all the way back gives you more freedom to sort of fill in those other gaps too. And so Ugh, that's yeah. such he, an important one. It would one. be a massive thing yeah. for them if Jeff Okuda looks like the Jeff Okuda that we saw play football at Ohio State. Okay. Like it would be – and I think – I don't know if Jeff Okuda is ever going to be a shutdown corner in the NFL, but I think Jeff Okuda can be a really good cornerback in this league for a long time and – no one's going to complain about, you know what I mean? A guy that people are not going to complain about. It's going to be a good quality football player. If he can get back to that or get there, I guess, yeah. like it would be huge. It would be massive for them. Like we talked about that last year, even like if, and it was like, there were times in camp where you could think back and there wasn't a day where he and Pleasant weren't screaming at each other, but there were like, <laughs> there were, right. there were days where it was like, man, I think he might be, getting there, you know, like turning a corner or something would happen that would look better. And even in the game where he got hurt, there were, there were things like that, that would pop up and you were like, he might be right there, but maybe not. We'll see. But you're right. It's if it hits and he takes off and he comes in and just is a steady football player, it changes so much because all of a sudden you have a guy who has that talent that can be able to deliver it. And you let the rest of the guys who can kind of scrap and claw be the guys that scrap and claw and not have to be the guy that's the shut down, you know, the guy on the outside playing, you know, number one corner. So yeah, that'll be, that'd be big, but that's I, a big if. I will say briefly, you know, Campbell said the thing about the Achilles or whatever is the least of, least of the concerns right now. And then Okuda said something similar, like he reached out to other athletes who'd had the injury and that's what they yeah. told him. Like, that's going to be the least of your concerns, like getting the rest of your body 
back and being mentally there like that's really what you got to worry about and i you tweeted out the one quote from Campbell. I tweeted out the one from Okuda. And then I had multiple members of the medical community oh, <laughs> reach out and be like, uh, the Achilles is still a little bit of a concern, man, when you're coming back <laughs> that first year. And so I think that is worth at least filing away. Like that is not it. We saw, Absolutely. you know, Cam Akers sort of was a freaky story because he came back so quickly. But that is a tough injury to come back from and that's why we haven't seen Romeo Okora yet like this yes. is and it's just it's it's a Okuda too man the mental part for him in general yeah. like wow. there's a there's layers here right like he's got to he's got to get back to reminding himself I think that that he's a you know that he was a first round draft pick like I think he's got to get back to reminding himself that hey I'm a guy that was pretty good at this at one time I still think that that's a process that he's going to have to go through. Yeah. And I don't think he's even got even close to that yet. So, yeah, I don't want to put any expectations on him, but yeah, it would be a huge deal if if he could if he could get there because I mean, he looks real happy to be out there. I will sure say thing. that. He look yep. the way he's he yep. his the way he's carrying himself right now reminds me of how Tracy Walker was last offseason when you're just like, "Oh man, the weight of the world is off this guy's yep. shoulders finally." Um and so, yeah, it is the mental piece for Okuda has always been a huge thing. So, you know, we'll see um as we get into camp, but hopefully for his sake and for the Lions' sake, he he is all the way back by yeah, totally. August. Um, so, uh, all right, we mentioned mini camp next week. We'll be out there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I believe. Um, yeah, I think so. Watch him for three days one after that. I think. Uh, yeah, and then we have one more OTA before they break for the summer. Um, so, I guess just. One thing, I guess you'll be watching at at uh, the mandatory mini camp next week as they maybe pick up the pace a little bit here and and get a little more physical. Just anything that uh, you've got on, you know, you want to you want to see while we're out there. Yeah, I think you're looking to see, you know, who can mini camp will give you a better cha- uh, shot to see who can win one on ones a little bit more. You know, like, you know, are there guys who've up their game in that area. Um, you know, I think you'll be able to see, a, a, you'll, we'll get a better look at the corners. You know, I think we'll get a better look in, at the at the defensive backs and where they're at in terms of one-on-one coverage. Cause like you said, it's not, you're not hitting, but like, I mean, the physicality and the tempo and the speed and of which you're working and the competition, I guess, in general, it's mandatory. The competition is going to pick up. The one-on-ones are going to pick up and um, maybe we'll see a fight. <laughs> like i wouldn't hate that so yeah that's what i'm looking for maybe we'll see a fight uh, or two and some intensity i think that that's probably what the lions are looking for not a fight necessarily but maybe but intensity and and intense work and and a team team building you know like i think that that's uh that can happen here you know you're gonna have full participation again everybody will be there for it they still got that in here i think you can get a lot done in terms of um guys grinding out there and and, and competing. And I think we'll see a lot more competition probably than we did last year at this time. Yeah. I think for me, until we get some answers there, it's always going to be the linebacker spot, just sort of yeah. who's rotating in, who looks comfortable, um, you know, how they're using those different pieces. Because I think there's a lot of bodies there, like we talked about, and but very little set in stone. I mean, I think Anzalone will be out there and mm-hmm. Barnes probably will be out there to start the year, but. I wouldn't say those guys are locks to play no. 17 games as a starter by any means. So I no. think it's pretty wide open. Um, and if you know Julian O'Hara is looking like he can do a lot more, if Malcolm Rodriguez sort of cuts the transition time here, like there's a lot of things that could happen with that 
position. Absolutely. So I think I'll be continue to watch them and just sort of see how it unfolds. So, um, all right, we'll, uh, we won't take a month break between podcasts this time. <laughs> we'll be uh, with you a little more regularly now that, yeah. uh, we'll at least while things are happening. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. So we'll exactly. get back to you after mini camp and let you know how it went. Um, make sure you, uh, if you don't have a subscription, we're still running our, I believe, right? Our dollar per month yeah. subscription deal. So you can click on any hey, of our stories. Hey, we got some USFL and... content up there, folks. I know there you all like it. Yeah. Playoffs are coming. Michigan <laughs> Panthers won't be part of them, but the no, playoffs are coming. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we had a post go up on the USFL. We've got OTAs and minicamp covered. We'll obviously have training camp well covered when we get around to that in uh, late July or early August. So head over to theathletic.com. If you don't have a subscription yet, you can get our podcast ad-free on the app. You can also find us on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Uh, thanks to everyone who has subscribed and who keeps coming back to listen. We really appreciate it. So for Nick, I'm Chris. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.